This is a Pasco Media production. Please visit pascomedia.com. Hi, and welcome to the Abiding Together podcast. With you today is Michelle Bensinger, our good friend and founder of Transforming Beauty, as well as our favorite sister and dear friend, Sister Miriam James Highland, who is a member of the Society of Our Lady of the Holy Trinity, and myself, Heather Kim. So anyway, um, we just wanted to jump in and uh, really talk about what the heart of how we're all drawn together, which is uh, coffee. That really is at the heart of what has bonded our friendship. So, um, Michelle, what's your favorite coffee beverage of choice? Well, that's a really hard question for me right now, Heather. Um, no, it's not. Um, I love coffee. Um, in the morning, I just have to have regular coffee, heavily caffeinated, like heavily, heavily caffeinated. And I like any kind of natural creamer, um, just as long as it doesn't have artificial stuff, but a little flavor. But if I'm going out to get a coffee, then it is always a coconut milk latte. That's my favorite to drink. And so, um, yeah, yeah. And so it's awesome. Sister, how about you? I'm just simple. I just like a good cup of strong, a regular coffee with a little half and half in it. Give it a nice caramel color. And uh, yeah, if it, but if it's not strong coffee, I mean, I don't know. It's a quandary, but I do. I just I love it. Yeah. Do you love me some good coffee? What about you, Heather? Yeah, I know what you mean. I used to be able to kind of drink whatever. And then a few years ago, I got an espresso machine for my birthday Christmas present. That was like the big <laughs> thing that I said, I just want one gift from everybody. And it kind of ruined me because now I think I'm kind of a coffee snob, if I were able to admit that. It really, yeah, it has to be a good cup of coffee. I can't drink not good coffee anymore. Um, we wanted to start off our topic today and have a conversation about women coming together and the importance of organic sisterhood. Michelle, you came across this amazing quote that I would love for you to share with us today. Yeah, I remember a couple of years ago, this quote from Matthew Arnold, and it's one of those things that when you read it, that it like, for me, it like stopped me dead in my tracks. I was like, whoa, this is powerful. Like these words are powerful. And um, not only were they powerful to me, I felt like they were prophetic. I mean, I think he wrote these in like the late 1800s and they had just as much relevance now as they did when Matthew Arnold, who wrote them, he was a philosopher. And so it says, um, if there ever comes a time when the women of the world come together purely and simply for the benefit of mankind, it will be a force such as the world has never known. And again, that was Matthew Arnold who um, said the quote. So um, that's awesome. Yeah, that's so powerful. What did you feel like it did to your heart when you read that? I think it stirred something in me thinking when women of the world come together, there was something about that come together that it was like um, a vision that was being put forth. Like it was something that um, a vision that was being put forth for us to be able to hold on to and for us to something for us to accomplish our esteem to, you know, it put like almost like a fire in my belly, you know, it was like, okay, this is it. You know, if we come together pure and simply, this is where, um, change can happen. This is where God's kingdom can be revealed. Um, yeah, it was just one of those swirling moments where you're like, all right, this is like an aha moment here for me, you know? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, Sister Miriam, what did what stirred in you? Because I know when I read that too, I was like, wow, that's powerful. I think Michelle, you sent it to me, and I was like, whoa, that is really powerful. How about you, Sister? What what stirred in you? It it is, and I ever since Michelle shared that quote with me, I ripped it off and been sharing it with other women. <laughs> and women almost, I know well, all good ideas are borrowed. Um, they women will almost always applaud when they hear that quote, and I think because intrinsically we know that that when we come together for the benefit of all mankind, um, not with our own agendas, or our own ideologies, but just to come in service of of God and neighbor, that it changes the world. And I think inherently we know that we know we're meant for service, we know we're meant for love, we're meant for purity and simplicity and beauty. And so I think when something can speak to the heart of that, it just, it stirs, it stirs us at our deepest level. And I mean, we all see how that's been, you know, misconstrued and kind of women have come together for other purposes and just how, how damaging that is. But the call to purity really is what it is, a call to pure service. And I think we all can intuitively recognize that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It refers to like a time in the world and you know, there's so much happening in the world right now. Like what, what did you, what do you think the time is or the season is that the world is in right now, Michelle? I think, I mean, we're in a season where a lot of things are being shaken, you know, like for us in the United States right now, like, and as a country, we have never been, um, probably more divided, you know? Um, I think there is a lot of just, um, hard, ugly things going on. But I also think that this is also good. I think a lot of things are coming to light that were in darkness and a lot of things that needed to be exposed. And I feel like our brokenness isn't hidden anymore. It's like full out front for all of us to see, you know, and it's really easy to, for it to be a time of discouragement or, you know, like, weighed down by the events of the world. But for me, I think this is a time like, um, for hope and for us to get busy, you know, and things about the kingdom and things about, um, God healing the kingdom. Like you can't heal something that you don't know is broken, you know? And I think we are just seeing our brokenness up front and personal right now, you know, and it's ugly and messy, but that's the whole thing. God does beautiful things out of brokenness. And so, um, yeah. 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 Yeah, I feel that too. I feel like there's, there's two things going on. Like it's very obvious that we're in a time of distress, of violence. You know, there's more martyrs today than ever before in history. There's uncertainty. I think a lot of people feel very uncertain right now. There's tragedies all around us and it's, it's so easy to focus on that. And I think for me, there was, yeah, as I was watching the news, I'm trying to watch the news more, you know, I feel like I'm like a legit adult because I'm on the verge of 40. So I I have to really like, (laughs) (laughs) my dad's always like, you got to read the paper. You know, he's old school. He's totally old school. So anyway, I've been watching the news more and just trying to be more up on world events. And, you know, it was really getting to me. Like I was really getting pretty down about it. Like just there's so much tragedy and heartache. And I'm such a deep feeler that as I was witnessing some of these tragedies on TV or hearing these stories, you know, I found myself sort of falling into a not despair, but there was a sense of just heaviness, just real heaviness. And um, as I started to pray through that, you know, I, I really felt God speaking words about his abundance You know, that it's that same kind of thing that in difficult times um, or in darkness, you know, that's when the light shines brighter. And 
I do feel that God is about something amazing right now, deep in the hearts of people. And there's a sifting happening. And maybe some of those things are painful for for us individually and for the world. Um, but I think we're on the edge of something really significant. You know, there's a, a new season. Um, I feel in the church, there's a greater openness to the Holy Spirit and to what the Holy Spirit is breaking open in the world and in our hearts right now. Mm-hmm. How about you, sister? I agree. I think that, you know, we all, I don't know, I think a lot of us are coming out to the realization that, 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 yes, like you both have said, that there's a lot of problems in the world. And I think we've come to the realization more and more that we can't fix them (laughs) and that we are in utter need of a savior to come and heal us and to come and restore us. And something that has been coming lately to me in prayer over and over and over again is that God is sovereign that God is very well aware of what's going on in the world. He's very well aware of what is going on in our individual lives. And he's always there to assist us, you know, even in the wheat and the weeds of our life, God is unfailing. And so I think for me, especially, you know, as things, you know, change in the world and, you know, I, whatever happens, you know, come what may that God is sovereign and he's always about our good always. Yeah. Amen to that. Yeah. I, it's, it's interesting that you say that because that word unfailing has been coming to me lately over and over and over again, that as I'm watching things fail all around me and even in my own life, I've, I've experienced a deep sense of failure in regards to my self-reliance. You know, I, I was so self-reliant that, um, I, I started to break under the, the all the pressure that I had allowed to be put on my shoulders or that I had put on my shoulders. And, um, and there was a sense of failure as I became more weak and vulnerable. But at the same time, it's allowed me to see it's like that, you know, scales falling from your eyes that, wow, God is unfailing, like no matter how broken or weak I am, he doesn't change. His love is unfailing, his mercy, his faithfulness, you know, and that really has been a huge shift. It's like the things you know, but until you experience weakness and brokenness and you have to really lean into his faithfulness, um, it becomes more real when you get to that, you know, for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, In the quote, it talks about women coming together. And, and I think a lot of times we wonder, like, what does that look like? Because sometimes when, you know, I've said to women, yeah, it'd be great to, to get together. And you feel this sense of like, oh, like sometimes I've been like, oh, geez, like, does that involve making a dinner? You know, <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know right. if I have time yeah. for a dinner, but I really just want to talk to you. You know what I mean? It feels like a bit of pressure. But um, what do you think it looks like when women come together? Because I think it's much easier than sometimes we think. What do you think, Michelle? Well, I think there's two ways that women can come together. I think that, um, like, the organic way women can come together, like, just inviting women over for dinner, you know, and it not being about hospitality, not being how clean your house is or what it looks like if it comes out of a Pottery Barn catalog, but just where your house feels welcome and where people come in and they feel like they belong and that they can be seen and heard. I think there's something powerful. I think one of the most powerful combination is a group of women around a dinner table. If you throw in guacamole and chips and wine and coffee and chocolate and the Holy Spirit, like huge conversion and transformation takes place. Like it is like the best recipe for God to move, you know? And so I think it's those, like those just organic, simple around the table, you know, moments and conversations. Yeah. And then I think there's something powerful when a group, a large gathering of women 
group too. I mean, I feel like you feel like you're a part of something bigger than you and that's great. And then you get a collection of women that say, Oh, right. You too. Me too. Like you both that, Oh, wow. Okay. You're feeling this way, but you see it on such a larger scale that you're not alone. I think there's something really powerful about that too. And I mean, if you can have guac and chips in a bigger setting too, it really works also. So yeah. Yeah. Michelle, you had mentioned that, um, because you recently moved to Pensacola again, I mean, I know you, you lived there most of your growing up, but, uh, you had a neighbor that invited you over. What was it that she said again to you? Oh, yeah. And so I have a great neighbor down the street and she has four kids and our our ages line up. But we went over to her house. She invited our whole house over there for dinner. And she looked at me and she said, can we be um, neighbor friends and not playdate friends? And I said, what's the difference? And she said, playdate friends, you have to clean your house and figure it out. Neighbor friends, your kids can come over to my house. Mine can come to yours. They don't really have to ask if they can have a drink. You know, we don't have to clean our houses for each other. If your kids can't play, say, oh, we can't play right now. Like it's that informal, just Mm -hmm. let's be who we are kind of thing and not like put on a show, which I thought was the coolest thing to say. I was like, Oh, I love this girl. Awesome. That's so awesome. It's like so welcoming. You know, you're like, Oh, it is. Okay. Oh, it it makes you exhale. You're like, okay, Mm -hmm. this is, yeah. It's just an exhale feeling, you know? So it's great. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that women appreciate most is when there's a place where they feel like they can rest, you know, whether it's just in your yeah. pres- in your presence or in your home or, you know, I had a friend come over the other day and she's had a number of things going on. You know, her daughter has an eye injury and there's just been multiple difficulties she's been going through. And she said, oh, I was looking, I was really looking forward to coming over to your house because it's so cozy, you know, and I, I just had some candles lit. It wasn't really that big of a deal, but she just had that sense. And it was one of the nicest things that, that somebody has said to me in a while. Like, that's really what I hope is that in my presence or in my home, that it would be a place of, of peace for people. It might not, you know, yeah, I might not have all my dishes done or whatever, but hopefully they still get that, get that sense. What do you think, sister? Like, what does it look like for women to come together? I think it has a lot to do with what you both have mentioned, both, you know, the interpersonal relationships and then the large group gatherings. I think those are both um, necessary. And I think that many times it's this, like you both said, the small things. One of my friends, we often go for a walk together, which is free. We're like, okay, I'll meet you in 30 minutes at our spot. So we'll see you in 30 minutes and we'll just go for like a three mile walk together and just chat and laugh. And I've really been more convinced lately. I think there's um, I don't know, you know, as a nun, you know, our lives are very scheduled and things like that. And there's, you know, many things that we, we, we do. Um, but I think there's also something to be said for the fine art of hanging out <laughs> and yeah. just, just spending time together. And I recently heard, you know, somebody say that, you know, conversion happens, you know, it does happen in Bible study and it does happen in formal catechesis settings. But a lot of conversion happens around the dinner table. A lot of conversion happens in just the normal things of life. And um, I think those are what make life... Those are things that can make life very sweet that we often, you know, in our overscheduled lives, we forget. And we say, I've got things to do. I'm very busy. But, you know, you know what I mean? And I just think more and more, I'm like, Lord, I think I've lost the fine art of hanging out as I become an adult. And, you know, your day is so busy. And I just, you look at little kids and they always have time to play. Yeah. <laughs> they have time to color. And I've just been very convinced of that in my own life of many times I use busyness to hide. Um, and I've got some great friends like the two of you and other people in my life that just say, Hey, let's just talk or let's just go for a walk. And that's, that's life saving to me. Yeah. 
That's one of yeah. my favorite memories, actually, sister, is one time when you were up here visiting. Um, and I think you had a day where you weren't, you were speaking and stuff a couple of days, but there was one day where you didn't have to speak. And we just like were watching Netflix and drinking coffee. And, <laughs> like it was just so, heavy, I think. Yeah, yeah, it was like we were in pajamas, <laughs> just hanging out. Um, and then went for a walk or something. And I was like, uh, and I know for both of us, it was so life giving, like to just do yeah. that in each other's presence. But it was very, it was very easy. It was not complicated at all. Yeah. I find that in my world, um, I notice a lot of women in isolation and I think that makes it difficult to come together. Like, I don't know if it's busyness for sure is a, is a big part of that, but I also think it's just, you know, these different systems that we've worked ourselves into or scheduling or, you know, whatever it is, um, um, that isn't necessarily healthy. Like I drive to school in the morning, you know, I drop off the kids. I see some of my dearest friends in their car and I'm in my car and we honk or wave at each other. And then I don't even get to talk to them, you know, the whole day. And there's something about that that's been really disruptive to my heart that I'm like, this is not how it's meant to be. We're not supposed to, yes, we have to get things done. We want to take care of our families or do our jobs or whatever state of life we're in. Um, but it can't be void of these deep, personal authentic relationships Amen. with one another especially with women you know i mean i remember when i got married <clears throat> we were still in university when jake and i got married and there was a lot of people that were like oh you're married you're so lucky it was sort of this sentiment of like oh you have everything that we all want you're so lucky and i quickly came to realize that boy i still needed a lot of other things other than just jake and he's pretty great <laughs> I still desperately needed, you know, my, my girlfriends, my, my deep relationships with, with other women. And, and I think when we do have these areas of isolation in our lives, um, we have to, we have to be willing to take risks and make space. You know, I think that's the biggest thing. Like uh, the three of us, even though we live in totally different areas, have really had to fight for time together. We have to schedule things. We have to, you know, schedule our Skype dates or our phone calls um, to make sure that we are making time for one another. And every time we do, I'm like, no matter what chaos is happening, and usually there's chaos for all of us, it's so life-giving. And I'm so glad, you know, that each of us has, has made that time. Um and I think we need time and space to have authentic relationships. And that's what we're looking for. It is a tragedy, you know, when so many women and over the years I've experienced relationships like this, too, that it's just lacking authenticity. You know, there's the masks, the walls, the insecurities, you know, all of those things. Um, but to take time to invest in relationships and be willing to be vulnerable in our weaknesses and difficulties, um, that probably is born some of the greatest fruit, you know, in my life. And it's not easy to be vulnerable. You know, I'm like, I easily flip into strong mode. <laughs> That's kind of my default setting, you know. Um, but I found that, yeah, the greatest fruit has come in my in my willing to be vulnerable and authentic with people who are dear to me, you know, and investing in those relationships. Um, let's define pure and simple. We're just sort of breaking open this quote because I think it's jam packed and we can listen to it and go, wow, that's awesome. But there's something about breaking it down into these little segments to look at. You know, it says when, when women come together purely and simply, what does that speak to you, Michelle, about? I think purely and simply for me means um, coming with no agendas, you know, not um, coming together with open hands 
you know, where you're able to receive what God has and you're not already trying to grasp and make something happen. Like it's like an openness to the Holy Spirit. Um, I also think where it is building up a kingdom and not a person where or a certain ministry or a certain agenda or whatever it may be, but it's building up a kingdom. And I think it is setting a stage for um, God to display his glory and for him to get all the glory, you know, because he's the healer and the redeemer and the miracle worker and the restorer of all things, you know. Um, so setting a stage for him to come or setting a table for him, you know, to um, be transformed. Like, I think that is what, you know, pure and simple I mean, in that my world, that's what I think it means for me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Do you mean that like personally or like with your relationships with other women or both? I think um, personally, that's what it means to me. I think my relationships with other women is, I mean, I love hearing anyone's story. Like, I mean, I'm just one of those ones where I love to see what I love people that think differently than I do. Um, I love people that um, are just different than me, period. I mean, exhibit A, you two, hello, we're all, three of us are so different. Uh, what? Yeah, no, seriously, did you not figure that out, sister? Wow. Um, but, uh, and y'all amuse all my little musings. I mean, y'all are, you know, whatever. Anyway, um, that's that you can listen to other people's stories that you can hear where God is moving and you're not trying to make them into who you want them to be, but just allowing them to be who they are, you know, and, um, that they can rest in that and you can rest in that. But I think also purely and simply is wanting, um, the best for other women, you know, really championing other women, you know, and, um, calling out who they are when they forget who they are. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, in their pure and simple form, you know, because I think we add on stuff um, to ourselves that we think we should be, you know, and that's not who we are in our truest form either, mm-hmm. you know. So I think a lot of the times it's us reminding ourselves and the other women in our life who they are in their pure and simple and best form mm-hmm. of who God made them to be. Yeah. Right. Which you're only able to do if that's what you're offering one another. You know, if you exactly. allow your, if you allow yourself yeah. to be seen, which I think is at the heart of, of every human person, like that desire to be seen and known and loved. And yet we have mm-hmm. such a hard time, you know, letting the walls down and allowing ourselves to be seen. Um, but I found for myself, you know, when I've let that happen with other women that I that I love and treasure um, that they are. Yeah. Like you said, able to call out the deepest, most real parts of me that are the best. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. Which would never happen if we didn't go there. Right. Yeah. I mean, I remember a Skype call what last year with you two. And we were discussing the idea of even doing this podcast. We're discussing about hosting or we're discussing something. Either it was a podcast or a conference. I can't remember what. And I remember I just wanted to hide. I just did not want to go be put out front. I just wanted to hide. And sister Miriam called me out on it. Like, and you know, I just wanted to be like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. You know? And there was something in me that just wanted to hide that day. And 
it's funny because Sister Miriam doesn't, you know, usually she's so gentle and calm and she'll get a little fire in her belly when she's preaching. But, you know, and in her personal relationships, you know, she's just very gentle and soothing and nurturing. And she had a fire in her belly, you know, reminded me, okay, girl, this is who you are, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, and I had tears coming down my face. Mm -hmm. Um, And my gut reaction was to hide. And her gut reaction was to come get me and remind me who I was, you know, mm-hmm. and that is, you know, that's pure and simple, you know, um, and it's always funny to watch Sister Miriam get a fire in her belly, you know, so, um, <laughs> yeah. that part's fun. You yeah, know? It's like, watch out. <laughs> watch out. Watch yeah. out. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> how about for your, you, sister, what's your experience been of like the pure and simple when women come together purely and simply? I think that it's so much of what Michelle so beautifully said in both of you. It's, it's true. And I, I just think of, you know, a single hearted surrender, you know, to surrender to who God is, to who we are. And, and like you both have said to really championing one another. And I just more and more the, the reality of surrender is just so deeply being embedded in my heart of not surrendering to be, you know, some sort of prisoner of war, but surrendering to who we're truly called to be. And I, you know, just think that God is always writing our story and that he's always pursuing us and reminding us. And God works very hard to reveal the truth to us. And the more I surrender to that, then like you said, Heather, that, you know, I can only give what I have. And so as I allow God to pursue me and to continue to reveal my depths of my heart and step out in the areas I need to step out with people that are trustworthy, then I can give that gift to other people. So uh, continuing allow allowing Christ to come in and pursue us and surrendering to that in, in single heartedness. I, I think it bears incredibly beautiful fruit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's beautiful. I think often we forget that, you know, that we have to experience and receive mm-hmm. um, before we're able to offer and give that to other people. And I think as women, you know, we have very nurturing hearts just by how we're made in God's image. Um, but sometimes we don't know how to give, you know, the right kind of things that people need. Sometimes we offer more of our brokenness um, than, you know, than the peace that God is is placing in our hearts. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so it says that uh, the the benefit for all mankind, that when women come together for the benefit of all mankind, it's an interesting like it's it's you know all caps <laughs> the all part of all mankind um it sounds like a big task you know like when i read that i'm like whoa like this is maybe too much and you know that feeling like you said michelle i'd rather go hide or maybe just fold laundry or you know just be about my <laughs> be about my little my little things but i think there's something in that that uh women underestimate the the power and the breadth of their calling in the world, you know, that sometimes we can get lost in just thinking, oh, my world is so small. Like, what does it matter? I'm just at home with, you know, three little kids or I'm just doing this or, you know, it's I'm just I'm just I'm just like it's mm-hmm. not enough. Um, but I think we underestimate the impact that we have uh, in mm-hmm. our in our world. You know, like I, I feel like for me, uh, my world has gotten very small over the last few years, you know, that I've been up here. I'm in a, I used to live in the States, but now that I'm back home in Canada, things have gotten very small and God has called me into a, a quiet place, like into a place of, um, yeah, just, you know, not being seen, not in a, in a quiet place in my heart. There's been so much internal work going on, um, that my calling has been 
to be very present to those in my small circle. So to my family, my husband, my children, um, the, the people around me who are in need, you know, like the young mom who's just has a new baby and, you know, like making a meal and just being present, like to the needs that, that are immediately in front of me and, and the, the needs of people that God has, has entrusted to me and realizing that that's not small, you know, that, that is that is being faithful to where God has placed me to be. And there's been times in my life where, yeah, the calling has been bigger or there's, you know, more maybe more exciting things going on, like in the eyes of the world. But but I've found um yeah, just a tremendous sense of joy and and peace in in really being present to my world that God has has placed me in. And we're all in different worlds. So Michelle, what does it look like for you with the all mankind? Um, I think for me, I, I mean, I'm always wired a little bit differently. So I always, I grew up with a mother that thought globally. So that was passed out onto me and both Chris and I, my husband and I both have like a mission mindset. But I think for me, like what you were saying, Heather, I think it's really important to act locally, you know, really act and, um, and, you know, act locally in your own family and in your own community and your own neighbor, like that is right next door to you, but to invest globally, you know, like where is your purchasing power? Like invest in marginalized people, invest in um, different products that bring dignity to other people. And I especially think as Catholics, because Catholic means universal, that we need to be aware of the universal church. I think it's very easy as um, a Western world, as, you know, Americans or Canadians, you know, to forget that there's a world that's mm-hmm. so much bigger than the Western world. Yeah. And um, that we have to know what is going on in the rest of the world. You know, um, we have, like you said, we have as many martyrs now being persecuted for their faith at any time in history. But we also have as many people in sex slaves um, right now. The number is the most than in any other time in history. Mm-hmm. And for me, I just have this stirring that God is going to look at the church one day and said, where are you? Mm-hmm. Like, you're allowing this to happen on your watch. You know, um, I feel like it's the church's responsibility to take care of the widows and the orphans and the slaves and the marginalized and the poor. Mm-hmm. So, but that being said, you are responsible for the Lord who, who God has entrusted. Like for me, I have six little souls that are looking at me and my little, my tribe of kids and they're my first priority to act and nurture and take care of. But it also, you know, it's just a global awareness or investment in what's going on in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, and how do you how do you yeah. not get overwhelmed by that, Michelle? Like, you know, as you say, there's there's more women being or that are, you know, trafficked now than ever. Like, how do you practically like purchasing power, all of those things? How do you practically do that in your own life? Because I think some women are like, I, w- I want to do something. I just don't know what to do. Like, I just feel like I don't even know how to do that when I'm in Connecticut or <laughs> wherever they are. What does that look like practically in your life? I think for me, practically in my life is um, endorsing and supporting a certain companies that promote um, dignity and empower people, you know, to break cycles of poverty. Um, look in areas of the world where sex trafficking is the most rampant and invest in women there. You know, like there's different 
companies, whether it's like I support Join India or Rahab's Rope or both of them are International Justice Mission. A simple thing is buy coffee from a fair trade coffee person, mm-hmm. you know, like, I mean, we all drink coffee and yeah, it's a couple of dollars more, but you're investing in lives, mm-hmm. you know, and you're changing lives um, with your purchase, you know, and you're investing into someone else's story. I think that's a huge thing. Like, you know, you get to be play a part in um, partnering with God and redeeming someone else's story. And that is not to be taken lightly, you know. Um, And it's, you know, small things add up to big things like that, you know. Um, You know, and I feel like how do you not get overwhelmed? I mean, that quote from Mother Teresa just goes in my head over and over. We have no peace because we've forgotten we belong to one another. You know? I just posted that on Facebook this morning. Did you really? <laughs> I did. Wow. That's so funny. We're in sync, you yeah. and I. And yeah. so, um, there you go. So, and I forget, we do belong to one another. Humanity belongs to one another. We are a universal church. We belong to one another, you know, and, um, we, I think for us as, you know, Western world, community isn't natural to us to share and bear each other's burdens. And um, so, yeah, it makes you uncomfortable, but we have to lean into that uncomfortableness, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and so, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. What about you, sister? Yeah, I think that's very true. I, I really feel, you know, that all of us have a different part of the vineyard, you know, like, what part of the vineyard all of us have it, you know, we yeah. hear the, the gospel creating of the talents that we've been given and what do you do with them, you know? And so what part of the vineyard does God have you in, in your life right now? And, you know, or what part of the vineyard is he calling you to? And I, I'm, I firmly am a believer as well that that vineyard starts in your own home. <laughs> and, you know, Mother Teresa also said, you know, anybody can serve the poor, but not everybody will smile at your sister. And yeah. so she's like, you know, charity, missionary to charity, charity begins mm-hmm. at home. And so I'm really convinced of that as well of investing in the lives of people around me, like how can I make their day better, even in the small ways? And then to go from there, I think it's true. It's very easy to get kind of consumed in your own little life and my own little problems and here's what I need and this is that. But really when I stop to think of, you know, who's who are the gifts that God has played who you know, who are the gifts that God has placed in my life and how is he calling me to serve and to be continually discerning about that. You know, I you just you know, in another season of my own life where I'm rediscerning the whole thing of what part of the vineyard, Lord, are you calling me to? And and you know, he's reminding me again and again that every day he sends me people that are gifts to me, that I'm a gift to them. And so how, you know, how am I receiving them? So we're certainly, you know, we do, as John Paul II quoted so often, you know, that we find ourselves in the gift of ourselves and it's Christ that reveals us are fully to ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, so true. So true. So good. Um, at the end of every podcast, we, we wanted to share just the things that are the one thing that is really stirring us or speaking to us or inspiring us or that we're just loving. I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, incredibly deep. Um, so sister, what's that for you these days? What's the one thing that's really moving you, stirring you? Oh, there's several, (laughs) but one, okay, I'll choose one. I have to say there's a, um, a book study, well, it's, it's called 40 Weeks by Father Bill Watson, and it's 40 weeks of learning Ignatian um, prayer and discernment. And it is 15 minutes a day for 40 weeks, and it is rocking my world. Yes. Really? So, yes, it is changing my life. I can't, I mean, 40 weeks is such a significant 40 number, but also 40 weeks. And I, it's just this wonderful, you know, learning more from Ignatius. And I, I, 
I am so grateful for it and it's challenging me and transforming me. So that is, that is the one thing, the book 40 weeks by father Bill Watson. Awesome. I've never heard of it. That's great. I'm going to check it out. Now, Heather, what's your one thing? (laughs) Oh, shoot. Okay. My one thing is, um, Okay, we went to this Bethel, Bethel worship. Um, they're from Redding, California. So Michelle and I, we we went to this um, evening of worship in Mobile. And there was this song that they sang there that isn't on any of their albums, darn it, because I really, I've been having to just like hear it on YouTube. I know, right? Yeah, yeah. I just want it in my car, but I can't. So I, I go to YouTube every now and listen to it, but it's called Take Courage by Christine DeMarco. And that mm. song rocked me that night. Like really, there was... It really spoke deeply to me, very deeply. And um, yeah, anyway, that's that's moving me big time right now. How about you, Michelle? What I guess is stirring me like spiritually per se is, I don't know. I am in um, just the book of Daniel right now. And it's such a weird book of the Bible to be in. You know, but just that his fasting and his praying, but his seeking God's vision of what um, he wants for his people, you know, and I just been just hopeful, mm-hmm. you know, of what God wants for his people and how he wants his kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. I'm just hopeful, you know, and holding on to hope, you know, and trying to dwell in hope. And so um, because it's really easy to get out of it. So, yeah, yeah. That's a beautiful place, I think, to wrap up is just that we would leave, um, you know, into and go back into our daily worlds, like just asking that God would bring his kingdom wherever we yeah. are, whatever state we're in, um, and that we could be faithful to that as well. Yeah. Amen. I hear you. <laughs>